And like for a long time, I've held Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek up as like one of the high water marks for on screen chemistry. Mm-hmm. But like, is that true, or are they both just really hot in the same general way? So that it's just like there's a lot of hot on screen right now. Yeah, it's like bleach spiritual pressure. It's just like hotness <laughs> pressure. Where right. you're like, I don't know if it, that would be a good matchup, but you know. I'm getting some like Wonder Wise right, vibes but like over as an here. assault on the senses. Yeah, it's just it's one of those cool. who like you start coughing, you're like I can't. <laughs> all the pheromones. <laughs> there are good movies and there are great movies, but that's not what we watch here because this is shitty cinema. Yeah. We are three film masochists who love to take on the worst movies we can find, centered around our monthly theme to answer one simple question. Would you watch it again? I'm Jay, and I'm joined by Dave. Howdy. And Casey. You want to putter around? Every week, one of us has to pick a movie based on that month's theme. Dave, what's this month's theme? Well, we finished out Van Damuary last week with The Expendables numero two. So we are on to a new month. Uh, our theme for this month is Incognito. We're looking at any spy movie, covert agents, whatever. Uh, let's just have some people fun undercover. With it. Yeah. Although, so, there were people undercovers in this movie? Oh. No one slept undercover because then you couldn't see their giant fake boobies. That's true. <laughs> you want them they had out to. From under the cover. They were on top of the covers. Casey, what did you bring for us this week to kick off Incognito Month? Unlike you guys, I didn't grow up on James Bond, but what I did grow Shame. up on was Blasphemy. 80s amazing big titty action movies. <laughs> Those were my spies. That's all we had. So I went with, from 1988, Picasso Trigger, by Andy Sedaris, a shitty cinema darling. I know his films have made it on here before. We've had Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, I For think, Destination we... Bad Movies. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. We didn't do Dallas Connection, but we did the weird Mr. Miyagi foot job one. Remember Mr. Miyagi's wearing like a yeah, three-piece suit? No. And no I no... remember. <laughs> I, I'm just trying no to remember. That's a really, that's a I... way to frame the film, and it's not incorrect. Yeah, it's I had I had forgotten until this moment. So <laughs> thank know. you Never for did. bringing that rocketing back to the forefront. Never forget. <laughs> Why not try to forget? By the way, when you brought this, did you know it was a sequel to Hard Ticket to Hawaii? Uh, yeah, I read the back of the DVD. Because we own it. Oh. All right, Case, before we get ahead of ourselves, you need to give us an elevator pitch where you sell us on this movie in 10 seconds or less. Here's your setup. Uh, you're on a second honeymoon to Hawaii, enjoying those just crystal clear waters, swimming in the blue seas. Uh, you're diving underwater when you see an adorable little remote control submarine puttering towards you. Yeah, you know, maybe some kids out playing. I don't know. There's something going on. So you go to investigate it. You know, maybe wave at their GoPro or something. Um, uh, unfortunately, this belongs to a famed drug smuggler uh, who is about to hit the detonate button and blow both it and you up. So in the 10 seconds before that happens, sell us on this movie. 
Hot, sunburned, horny super spies take time out of their busy coke fuck schedule to save the world or something. Honestly, I don't know who I'm rooting for. Eight seconds. I don't know. I, I would root for being blown up by the cocaine smuggling sub. There's no good personally. guys or bad guys. There's just normal guys and hot guys. <laughs> and I guess we're rooting for the hot guys. I, I was unclear at times which hot guys were on the good guys side and which hot guys were on the bad guys side. Yeah. Let's have that debate later right. about which hot guys on which side. First, let's go over the movie that shitty cinema watched. Hot boys. <laughs> what? As the movie starts, we meet its namesake, a high-class crime boss who goes by the name Picasso Trigger. Picasso is at a Paris museum donating some artwork when he's gunned down, murdered by a hitman in a motorcycle sidecar. Which is kind of cool. A priest. Yeah. Put some respect on it. Father Sharpshooter. Father you know, Sharpshooter. I say anytime I see a sidecar, I'm like, ooh, neat, a sidecar. And then to, like, also have someone shoot you in that. But a priest with, like, a long gun. <laughs> See, this is a sequel to Sedaris' film Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And the bad guy from that movie had a crime lord brother named Miguel. Miguel is out for Picasso's empire. And after assassinating Picasso Trigger, he starts picking off rivals and agents from the Hard Ticket's covert, The Agency. Is that what was going on? I, that's <laughs> what wow. I was. That's what I was able to piece together through two viewings and uh, IMDb plot summaries. I had yes. no idea who anyone was or how they knew each other, yeah. but just yeah. eventually Writing. they were going to meet up and try to fucking kill each other. Writing the plot for this was horrible. There's I'm sorry. Like, the movie doesn't communicate it, and also, like, you go to the Wikipedia page, and I'm like, oh, thank God, there's a plot section, and I click to expand, and it's empty. Empty. Like, I, no, fuck you. Donna and Taryn, the secret playmate agents from Hard Ticket, return as Miguel's <laughs> next targets, narrowly escaping when their boat is blown up with a remote-controlled plane. Donna Spears' boobs look like hard tickets to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> they look like they could fucking kill a man. Meanwhile, the agency finally decides to get involved, sending Himbo Travis to meet up with a double agent working for Miguel named Pantera. Okay, I disagree that he's a himbo, but we can have that dispute. The right. two groups investigate, getting in shootouts, car chases, showing off more nipple than you'd think even, like, YouTube would be cool with. The nipple has been freed, for sure. Very for sure. free. <laughs> Eventually, everybody teams up in Vegas and teams up to go after Miguel at his Hawaii compound. The agents all meet up with the professor in Hawaii, who gears the team <laughs> up with explosive boomerangs and, like, crutches with guns in them. It's all kinds of shit. Got Andy predatory vibes from him. Yeah, predatory cue. Donna and Taryn assault Miguel's compound on motorbikes, taking out guards with the boomerang and some RC car explosives. Right, meanwhile, Travis hobbles into the compound with a crutch gun. Instead <laughs> of Miguel, however, he finds the very not dead Picasso Trigger. See, he faked his own death and assassinated the agents, all to trick the agency into taking out his competition in the crime member. And also, Pantera was a triple agent. She was actually working with Picasso the whole time. Pantera tries to kill Travis, but Donna kills her first in the pair chase Picasso on a hovercraft. Picasso looks like he's going to win, but Donna takes him out with an explosive spear gun and saves Travis's life. Donna spear, get it? <laughs> 
I don't. No. Uh, I literally didn't until you said that. Before they can celebrate, Travis realizes it was all too easy. And the man they killed was a decoy. The real Picasso is back at the compound, escaping with his painting. Travis takes his crutch gun, he loads it with a fucking missile, and he programs it to target Picasso's pacemaker. Somehow. Which finally fucking blows up Picasso. He dies, and all of the hot people can laugh about it while the credits roll. Is it a dumb way to end the movie? Uh, yes, very. But it does end the movie. And for that, <laughs> I appreciate it. What? Come on, Dave. Come on. I feel like that was like Andy Sedaris's, like, oh, I just ran out of money. So, like, press some numbers on the keypad and we'll say you blew him up with a homing <laughs> missile bomb. It was a calculator. I know. They I just taped. They just taped a calculator to some crutches. To crutches. Right. Is that yeah. set design? I mean, like whoever did props, props to the you. The prop master. Props to the prop master. For so props the, to the prop master. The crutch gun was okay. So it was a gun. Like it fired normal bullets. It fired Shotgun homing shells. missiles. Homing um, missiles. It, yeah. It. Also had a Geiger counter built into it. It did. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Got to have a Geiger counter. Yeah. You know, and a keypad for reading off the Geiger counter readings and entering in. And like at least James Bond is going to a fancy party that it would be weird to show up. But if your plan is to shoot down the door already, just (laughs) carry in the Geiger counter. My favorite superfluous spy gadget in this entire film is Donna's wristwatch lighter to light her cigarette. Oh, I thought that was classy. <laughs> oh, man. I was hoping it was a Casio no, no, lighter no. watch. Let me complain, okay? What? Here's why I hate it. Because it, very early on in the movie, she uses it to light a cigarette, and Travis recognizes her watch and has this epiphany that Picasso Trigger might not be dead because the watch was on a different hand. And starts going through photos. And I go, oh, neat. They have this spy watch that has a lighter. And that's going to come into play later on in the movie. Flash forward another hour and like 10 minutes later. And the movie's over. And we never fucking (laughs) see it again. It never comes into play again. No. Right. Like, I have to assume at this point that that watch is not a spy gadget. And it's some novelty shit she bought at a gas station. (laughs) She, like, smokes in every scene, though, so I think she needs a lighter strapped to her hand because she's just (laughs) fucking chain-smoking. You know how I'm going to die with that watch? With my hand jammed up a vending machine that I've caught on fire inside, and I slowly immolate with the machine. That's how I can't have a watch like that. No. Absolutely not. Next gadget. I'm getting scared. Oh my God, I better be careful. It's sparking. I really want those chips. Yeah, so we'll we'll just have one overarching category for all of the remote control shit in this because we had remote control plane, remote control boat, remote control cars. I'm in with that. I 100%. Are there like C4 strapped to the bottom? What is the explosive (laughs) that is. Who cares? The size of three AAA batteries 
that movie just explosive. blows up a whole fucking Yeah, they boat. are they movie are movie explosives. explosives. Right. They crash a miniature plane into a boat and it explodes like there's C4. These RC cars have some serious <laughs> explosives which doesn't quite save them cuz like they're not really spy gadgets. This shit came from KB Toys. Like it's it, if these are spy gadgets, then, like, Sid from Toy Story is their cue. I also had to remind myself that this is the 80s, and not everybody in the 80s with miniature stuff are weird dudes trying to talk to kids in parks. <laughs> this is when only rich <laughs> dudes with great jobs could afford those things because they were super fucking expensive. I guess I would have been fine with them as a spy gadget if Andy didn't keep coming back to it again and again and again in this movie, and it made me think <laughs> about it more at that point. Dad, why did you buy this if we can't play with them? <laughs> I need this for my movie. All right, just just far too many remote-controlled explosive bombs in this movie, um, and it, it waters it down too much so that I can't truly appreciate things like the explosive spear gun or explosive boomerang. Uh, oh my or... god! Stop! That one's my favorite one. The explosive, the explosive boomerang, boomerang is my favorite explosion. <clears throat> Why? Taryn says, "Wait a minute, Donna. Watch this." And they're trying to murder the two guys that killed their friends and shot him up in front of Edie's restaurant. You know, Edie. She was in the last one. <laughs> anyway, Taryn oh, straps I what I think like is C four, I suppose, to the uh, boomerang. And just tomahawk chucks it <laughs> and hits the beach mailbox or whatever the fuck that thing was and just blows a hole in the sand. Yeah. Just, yeah. He's uh, gone. His his dummy got ripped to shreds. Yeah. We actually see her clip the explosive part onto the boomerang. And With it's Velcro. a pretty right. It's With a pretty Velcro. substantial hunk of bomb, which I'm. <laughs> Which I think means that that no longer works as a boomerang. I'm pretty sure. You want it back. Because it, it, it just sort of spins end over end and then hits the sign and falls down. So Right. You don't want it back at that point, but it did make me think, well, you could have just stuck that on like any stick <laughs> and thrown it Remember at it was them. on a baseball in another Andy Sedaris film. Right. So we're getting a little creative here. Boomerang. Remember the Frisbee with the razor blades coming out yeah, of it in the other yeah. other Andy Sedaris film? He loves taking children's toys and making them super dangerous. I, okay. <laughs> you can tell he hates I, his kids. I would have loved to have seen someone take the boomerang, whip it back like they're going to throw it, chuck it really hard, and as they do, the Velcro on the bomb falls off. The boomerang yeah. goes flying, and they get blown to fucking pieces. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just went on a whole separate journey where I imagined that <laughs> what actually happened is Andy Sedaris is secretly trying to murder one of his children, but it's like a baby's day out situation where he constructs more and more elaborate murder devices out of the toys and the baby keeps just like Elmer Fudd its way through or Mr. Magoo in his way through it. And then the wife comes in and like, what's this? And he's like, shit, I got another make another movie. All right. Besides some of the ridiculous explosions, there's, the genuine explosion where the guy fucking flies a helicopter while also doing a drive-by with a bazooka and blowing up a fucking car. That was impressive. Yeah. I really <laughs> wish they'd filmed it a little bit better because that's just like, that's some shit I'd expect in a Jason Statham movie. And I say that as a compliment. Yes. 
that's, that's fair. another. That's fair. We've had a bazooka in a helicopter and another Andy Sedaris film. Yeah, that's a take it to Hawaii. Right. Yeah. I just. You keep making the same scene, and I keep loving it. <laughs> so, I mean, don't change. It's awesome. He's a simple man. He likes bazookas, boobies, and light aircraft. Yes. <laughs> he hangs out at a hobby shop. There's a whole Wikipedia site dedicated to uh, planes in movies, and it has a ton of information. On Is Picasso Andy Sedaris their god? I don't know. <laughs> he should be. I really like the hoverboat one shot that when Pantera and uh, the red haired guy, did we learn his name? The main guy? I did no, not. It's not no, it's not. Just Squarehead. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, which is Donna Spears' boyfriend in here, but he's flirting with Pantera, the triple threat spy. And she ends up sniping a hoverboat with like a small rocket launcher. I don't know what kind of gun that is. A boom boom stick. It was a boom boom Andy stick. Andy Sedaris is a boom boom stick. And blows up the hoverboat and probably kills every fish in a 50 yard radius <laughs> of that yeah. boat. Right. I think it was She's a spear fishing. with um, ex- <clears throat> explosives attached to it. Okay. So, what was the cowboy stripper storyline? Because there's a B plot in there uh, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, solid okay. 15 minutes of runtime about some cowboy strippers, and I have okay. no idea how that relates to the I rest of the I kind of got that. So. You Go have ahead. the two guys that are watching the cowboy. Okay, first of all, we need to talk about this whole ass scene. They're at a bar <laughs> in Las Vegas on the strip where these two girls give a really lackluster cowboy <laughs> dance in these like shiny bras, barely wearing anything. Very bouncy boobs. Good for you, girls. But the Skippy first time they pan and- to the crowd. There's a lot of like elderly women with that little like elderly lady like afro they all have of the like the white perm. Yeah, the blue haired lady. Yes. There's like it's mostly them in there. I was like, whoa, what is going on in this bar? Okay, like are they just getting a good seat for bingo? Do they have a lit bingo at this titty bar? What's happening? They have a great early bird special. Oh, my God. (laughs) Bottomless Bloody Marys. So. These two, like, gangster-looking guys are watching them and talking about how, oh, we like to traffic women and la la la. So, basically, they're going to try to traffic the undercover CIA or whatever fucking agency they're from. Cowboy big titty girls to the guy that shows up at the end that they kill. Part of my confusion is not Andy Sedaris' fault. It's because this yes. is a movie that was yes, released on VHS and was then converted to DVD and was then ripped to YouTube. Um, so there's some audio balancing issues and you got to, you know, change it around a lot. And it was a little difficult to follow. But it's also Andy Sedaris' fault that at a certain point I stopped caring enough about his shitty, shitty dialogue to deal with that volume anymore. And I just leave it low enough to not hear them talk anymore. Let us talk about the dialogue, shall we? Okay, sure. Wow. Okay, so in Expendables 2 last week, it was everyone had to say something after killing someone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's one, what you do. Everybody had to have a one-liner to end the scene. And everyone had to have a one-liner to kind of start the scene. Yeah, open and close. Oh, my Just, just round robin, everybody, first thing that comes to mind. 
sexual innuendos up the wazoo, but like weird ones. So my favorite is when Taryn is coming out to pick up some dick on the golf course. And he's like, oh, I got beat, or beat again. And she's like, want to putter around? Because she had a golf cart? Like, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, just, that comes that comes during the middle stretch of this movie where there's about five scenes in a row where all of the agency people meet up in a new location, all each say about two to three snappy sexual innuendos to each other and then leave to a new location. And I have no idea what any of it had to do with the rest of the movie. I listen. Can I just say, I really appreciated that in the beginning of the film, when they're showing Taryn and Donna, they go through their whole morning routine of getting their tits out Walking yep. around, taking a shower. Rubbing I'd love to see one of them just like sensually. taking a shit. Uh, I would have loved if we could have included that. Maybe making breakfast but not bacon. You don't want to get grease on your tits. Um, yeah, they they turn rolls they, over and just rips ass. They always showed the women changing clothes. So then I'm not confused of like why are they wearing in a different outfit? How did that happen? Because I don't know how clothes work. God, but that was kind of just so we had a little dialogue peppered in. Also, I'm really confused when the we forgot to talk about the guy in the Texas cowboy hat. I don't know who he was. And you know what? Don't explain it to me. But he uses the phrase on the phone. Listen tight. What does that mean? What is listening tight? Did he fuck up and they kept it? This is bothering (laughs) me. Is it supposed to be sit tight and listen? And he just said, listen tight. Answer no. me, damn it. It's Somebody. Listen, comma, tight. It was a cutesy nickname he had for them. I don't think so. <laughs> it was the dude on the phone. Jay, do you have any ideas? I don't. I don't. The outfits were incredible. So Pantera had these amazing I would do leggings. She did full denim, which, my God, she must have had no circulation in her cervix because her pants were so tight. But they were like this gray snow leopard print with like a black like tube top thing with a belt, like very Peg Bundy-ish. Absolutely loved it. Uh, there was the one guy with the ponytail that had the shark skin jumpsuit that had the sleeves edited off. I'm not sure. No, it was a full like (laughs) shark suit ninja outfit. His shirt was like it was zipped up, but it's not a shirt because it's like a ninja onesie. It looked like it, yeah. It it was a look. Do you smell like fish if it gets hot? Ew. (laughs) I have a question. Was anybody twitchy while watching this? Twitchy? Yeah, like all of the no. all of the characters were really herky jerky. Nobody could sit still. Like it was starting to make me feel anxious and having like ticks. <laughs> like I'm okay. I can't watch like TikTok because I might start like getting Tourette's. Like I, I think everybody was like kinda coked the fuck out. Because, like, even when they were on the phone, when Sharkskin guy was on the phone, he was, like, swaying in the chair and, like, jerking. And, like, everybody was could not sit the fuck still. I think that's a combination of, as you said, the cocaine. 
um, definitely. Um, but also just the fact that every scene had about two-thirds more dialogue than it needed in it, and they could feel that in the moment, and it was making everybody <laughs> antsy. Also, they constantly they lit the film with a spotlight. Like so oh, many yeah. of the scenes were this bright ass light that followed the almost like a stage production. I don't think that was on purpose. If we cut a third of the talking, we also could cut a third of the establishing shots because they are only establishing shots to establish the establishing shots. Yeah, absolutely. Like we get a, a five minute run up to them getting into a plane for a 10 second shot of the panorama from the plane. Like you, <laughs> you did okay, this but backwards. We can't get rid of like them sexily getting ready. You know, I get to no, know how they necessary. change outfits and why. Right. Okay. You have to tits. Right. So then can we cut the scene where they talk about how they're going to have sex in the plane seven times? I feel like this is like middle-aged yes. man twilight. <laughs> this is like their romance story of like then I like shoot the guy and it's like really hot with like sex in a plane and then we like God, so like this is this is erotica for the Tim the Toolman generation. Yes, very much. Gotcha. Very much. I know just the type of dudes that this is their dream. This is their fan. This is what they drink six Bud Lights and go to sleep right. about thinking about. Do you <laughs> have a flag? Right. Do you have a flag in your garage advertising an American macro brew beer? <laughs> if so, this, this film may film. be for you. God, another thing that really bothered me about this movie was the inability of anyone to sneak anywhere because they would be hiding behind something if they even hid behind something. And just like stick their whole ass head out, like, whoa, <laughs> they're just, shooting. Uh, it was like big titty whack a mole. You have two big old <laughs> targets on your chest. Get the fuck down. Damn. Yeah, everybody does the uh, the joke where they're like trying to hide behind a tree that's way too small, except the movie doesn't actually think it's a joke. They're just really <laughs> bad at hiding. One of them can't shoot, and everybody knows it. <laughs> Travis, How, the supposedly that's made one. That's Travis? Yeah. You learned his name? Yeah. How did he become a top agent? Like, that's got to be nepotism. That's got to be somebody's son. Calvin <laughs> Klein was a great start for him. Also, Travis is supposedly in the same class as Pantera. No, you weren't. There's no, at least no. a 15, unless you're a later in life student like me. Yikes. <laughs> I don't think you were playing football, though, at like 35 on a college team. I think Ew, my was personal he a teacher? <laughs> oh. That's more like it. I think my personal favorite for the, like, you all suck at your jobs was when Taryn gets shot in the goddamn chest but you know shrugs it off because she's wearing a bulletproof vest and comments to donna i sure am glad i was wearing my bulletproof vest well you be careful and donna says you too and heads into the exact same location wearing a sports bra and leggings because <laughs> donna's a baller you, right you just she's just gangster right were your implants made out of kevlar because you forgot <laughs> to tell me that. If so, 
C4. She can detonate at any time. <laughs> She's going to take this whole island with her. Even better. They're magnets. When bullets are shot at her, they get whipped around and then she shoots them back. Oh, my God. She's like Big Titty Magento. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We can go round and round, right round, like a boomerang that doesn't come back. But I need to know, 1988's Picasso Trigger. Jay, would you watch it again? So I'm a sucker for Mission Impossible style twists and turns, even if they're cheesy and ham-handed. I enjoyed that about Picasso Trigger. I feel like this is mostly written for the kind of person who watches pornos for the plot, and that's not me. <laughs> but <laughs> but so, I respect you. <laughs> but I respect you, sure. <laughs> it's just not, not the person I am. However, I did have fun with it, and in the beginning... There's this really clever critique of philanthropy where one of the characters calls out the main evil person for doing this good stuff to whitewash all of the evil that he's done and how he's done it in the past. And that's lit as shit. So, yeah, I think I'm going to watch Picasso Trigger again. Wow. It's, a, it's an Andy Sedaris film. It has something really serious to chew on. I was explaining it to you, so I don't know. I'm going to. Dave! What about you? 1989? 88. 1988's Picasso Trigger. Would you watch it again? Man, this should hit a lot of nerves for me. Because, like, one, I, I, was, I did grow up at that time period where we didn't have fast enough internet yet. And we had to kind of sneak porn into movies for the kids, right? <laughs> yeah. So... There's that weird bit of nostalgia of me watching this and going, oh, I, I appreciate when you guys did that for us. That was nice. But also, I I have 12 Andy Sedaris films on my computer right now. You're welcome. So <laughs> then the question is, would I watch this again over just picking another one at random? And I don't think I would because it doesn't have the ridiculous snake or the oh, uh, the point. guy on a skateboard getting hit with a bazooka. There's no moment of this that really stands out and makes me go, you know what, I want to drink an entire box of wine and watch this movie and laugh my balls off again. It's kind of just fine. So no, I don't think I'm going to watch Picasso Trigger again. Oh. I'm just going to move on and watch a different Andy Sedaris film instead. <laughs> wow. Okay. Casey, how about you? Uh, the sequel you didn't know you needed in your life. <laughs> From 1988, Picasso Trigger, would you watch it again? This movie has some pros and cons. Cons being you don't see Mr. Miyagi's feet. Pros <laughs> being there's a lot of explosions. Uh, Donna Spears' boobs don't look as painful. I remember one of the movies, I think it was her, another girl, like, had angry purple tit scars underneath. Like, they just got some work done or something was not good happening, and that freaked me out. But her boobs look good. Go, girl. Um, I feel like there is a drinking game in here somewhere. Either you can drink every time there's an explosion or every time there's boobs, but this is a good 
watch with your friends 80s action titty movie. Yeah, I would watch this again. Uh, Not on purpose. Uh, I'm sure I'll accidentally click it and not remember watching it and be halfway through and realize, probably (laughs) actually not realize that I had watched it. Um, But yeah. I know that was going to happen. It's trash and I love it. So that's the verdict. Two out of three of us would watch Picasso Trigger again. Dave, these are not for your eyes only. They're only for ours. Oh, I I see what you did there. I will probably end up also forgetting I've watched it and watching it again and not remembering it. See you in four months. Jay, (laughs) can you do any better? What are you bringing next week? Ooh, so I'm going to return to a classic spy situation the u.s versus the soviets soviets may have murdered a u.s senator we need some spy-like people to investigate so we'll get richard Gere, and we're gonna pair him with topher grace in 2011's the double yes you heard me right richard Gere and foreman martin sheen is also in this Richard Gere again. Oh. Richard Gere. Oh, yes. Foreman. Same, Dave. Same. I love that energy. <laughs> I also have a. No. Very Richard I hope, Gere. I hope Hyde drives him around. <laughs> well, we'll just have to wait till next week. Don't forget to feed your hamster. Follow us on social media sh.ttycinema. Casey.cinema on Instagram. Email us at shittycinema.com. And as always, let's turn out the lights, strap C4 to our kids' plane, and go down, down, and an early around. Huh?